Welcome again to our Wednesday Bible study of the book of Exodus. Now, I feel like I've got to tell you a few things before we get into the, the text in this video. And that's because really there's a few things about this video. One of them is I don't expect it to be very long. And also it's going to sound like I'm constantly saying the same things that I've already said before. And there's a reason for that. That's because we're going to be in Exodus chapter 35 and going to 39. We're going to end right before the, the very last chapter. We're going to say that last chapter for next week. But we're going to go right up to that point. And what we were actually reading about is where the whole nation of Israel come together and they build the tabernacle. Now, you might be thinking, haven't we already looked at the tabernacle? We did. In fact, just a few chapters earlier, from about chapters 25 to 30, we were constantly reading it, and that actually spanned over more than just one of these class periods, um, but we were looking at some of the same things that we're going to be looking at here. And in fact, when you read it, it kind of almost seems like, you know, if you if you stop before this and, and then you pick this up and, and you start reading it, you might think, I've already read this, you know, but you haven't. It's It's a little different because before they were getting the instructions and they were going over how it's supposed to look, and now what we see is they're actually constructing it. This is whenever they are actually building it exactly like the pattern says. So yeah, a lot of times that pattern that we looked at before is gonna be repeated here. So we see that just kind of going back uh, and, and forth. So a lot of this is gonna be the same material. And I would strongly encourage you to uh, get your Bibles out and and uh, you know either pause the video now and, and read these chapters in their entirety. That That's perfectly fine if you wanna do it that way. Or at least after you get done watching this video, Open up your Bibles and read through these chapters in their entirety, because it is very important about what we're going to be looking at. And, you know, to us, we look at this and we think, why do you have like five chapters here? And then you have five chapters just a few chapters ago about the same stuff. Why do you have that in Exodus? And that's because this was so important to Israel. This is, you know, the tabernacle itself. This is how God was going to make his dwelling among the people. How important is it to you to be in the presence of God? Or I guess we can look at it a little bit more accurately. How important to you is it that God's presence is in your midst? Because that was that's exactly what the tabernacle represented. That's why we have like these 10 chapters here. I mean, nearly a quarter of this book of Exodus is talking about the tabernacle. That's because this is extremely important. So we don't need to just kind of, you know, skip through this and think, oh, well, we've already covered this. No, it is very important because it's about God's presence with us. Now, thankfully, of course, now uh, looking back on things, we have the presence of Jesus Christ and we have the fact that, that God became a human being and he made his dwelling among us. And that's so wonderful and so important. But to these people right here in this time of history, this was so crucial. This was this, this good news to them that God is going to be in their midst. So let's read about what that looked like whenever they were actually obeying God and, and following him. This is one of these kind of, I guess you would say it's kind of a highlight of the book because everything seems to be going great and everyone is working together. Let's look at this. We're not gonna read it uh, all by the way, but I just want to show you a few things. We're gonna start off with this free will offering that they're giving. And, and this is what's recorded here in Exodus 35, verses 4 and 5, we read this. Moses spoke to the whole community of the Israelites. This is the word that the Lord has commanded. Take an offering for the Lord. Let everyone who has a willing heart bring an offering to the Lord. And then if you keep reading, of course, you find out that 
you know, exactly what they are bringing, uh, the types of things they're bringing, who all is bringing it. Um, and that's, that's kind of what we read about. And, and they're all bringing it so that this will happen. Like in verse 10, it says, every skilled person among you is to come and to make all the Lord is commanded. Okay, so this kind of shows us how a community is supposed to work. And, and of course, there's a lot of parallels to how the church is supposed to work. You know, obviously we can kind of uh, make some of these connections. It takes different types of people. It takes people who have this willing spirit to give this free will offering and they give. But then what it takes is it takes these people with these skills, these special skills to do what God has asked. And in this case here with the tabernacle, those skills would be actually making things. And it's wonderful to me that the Lord is the one who actually gives them the ability to do that. You know, what has God done for us as a church? You know, how many of us have been blessed with financial goods so that we can we can offer? And I'm not trying to, you know, kind of guilt you into into offering more or whatever. I, I, I'm not trying to say that at all. What I'm saying is that is part of what it takes to be like the body of Christ, to be a community. It takes those people who have um, the, the money and the, the goods, the things, and they're willing to give it. And whenever they give it, then someone else might take over. And they have specialty skills to be able to, to use those things, to use those um, those things that were, were given by those other people who had it. And sometimes the skilled people might not have a whole lot of money to offer, might not have a whole lot of things to offer, but they have those skills. We can all find ways to serve the Lord. And that's what this whole community is doing. That's why a few verses later in verse 29 of Exodus 35, this is what we read. The Israelites brought a freewill offering to the Lord, every man and woman whose heart was willing to bring materials for all the work that the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Once again, this is just how a community works. This is how the body of Christ is supposed to work. We all have different roles to fill. We all have some part to play in this, to, to bring the gospel message out to all people. And we all have some part to play in how we, how we love one another and how we are called to act like this type of community. So this is a wonderful image that we can learn from, that we can look to, and that we can see them working together. We also see, of course, that this group of people, the Holy Spirit is in their midst. Now, I've gone into even greater detail about this, but I want us to make sure that we recognize this because the Holy Spirit gives us all types of different gifts. He gives us those gifts that, of course, you know, we, we kind of look at and we see people who are gifted at being able to be a good teacher or a good preacher um, or, you know, uh, and what I mean by, you know, teacher is all, all types of different ways because, you know, it, it's, it takes one type of person to teach adults, I believe, and it takes another type of person to teach these Sunday school classes with, with these children and to be able to instill within them these biblical principles. And, you know, it, it takes also these, these families that are, that are working together. So, I mean, it takes all of these things and we can see how the Holy Spirit gives us all these different gifts. But there's a whole lot more than just that. There's a whole lot of other types of gifts that the Holy Spirit has given from, you know, really pretty much the beginning. And that's what we find here. So in Exodus 34, verses 30 through 33, we read this. Moses said to the Israelites, see, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with understanding, with knowledge, and in all kinds of work, to design artistic designs, to work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, and in cutting stones for their setting, and in cutting wood, 
through work in every artistic craft. See, I don't think it's by accident that whenever Jesus was born, he was born the son of a carpenter. And he learned that trade. I mean, we, we get that in the Gospels. We find out that Jesus himself, he learned that trade. Well, you know, I think it's, I think it's pretty clear that we can see from this passage and, and others that God is the one who blesses us with these gifts, with these abilities. And God blessed these people at this time with these abilities to be able to make these, these beautiful things of the tabernacle, to be able to remind people that God is in their midst. The Holy Spirit does the same type of thing today. And the Holy Spirit is also, um, he, he's the one who works with our spirit, who instills within us a giving heart and allows people to be willing to give, those, those people who have goods, uh, that they are willing to give. In fact, we've already seen how uh, the, the spirit of people was, was working within them and they gave. But notice what, what we read in the next chapter about this free will offering that people are making. In Exodus 36 this time, verses four through seven, so all the skilled people, who were doing all the work on the sanctuary came from the work they were doing and told Moses, the people are bringing much more than is needed for the completion of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. Moses instructed them to take this message throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing any more. Now the materials were more than enough for them to do all the work. Isn't that a wonderful problem to have? that you have this community of people that is so giving, they, they actually gave too much. And then people had to say, okay, hey, stop giving. You know, it's great that you were, were willing to give, but we need to slow this down because we're, we're already gonna be completed in our work. And you know, sometimes we reach that in churches too, don't we? You know, we, we might ask for help, but once that is accomplished, you know, sometimes we might have to, to ask people, okay, hey, we've, we've covered these things. Let's, let's slow down just a little bit. And this is a wonderful problem to have. This is what happens whenever God is in your midst and whenever you have a community who is willing to work together and to do the, these great things for the Lord and to serve him. And this great work that they were doing is building this, this sanctuary, building this tabernacle. I wanna give you, a, I wanna remind you of this, this kind of bird's eye view of what the tabernacle looks like because the next few uh, chapters are going to go into great detail about every little element of this. We're not gonna look at every element of it, but I do wanna run you through the, this tabernacle. Uh, on this slide before you, we're gonna actually start on the right side and we're gonna work our way to the left. Um, now, like I said, this is a bird's eye view and just like we're used to seeing maps, uh, north is at the top uh, and then south would be at the bottom and you have the east and the west uh, normally as, as you would. So uh, we're gonna be working from the east and going toward uh, the west. Um, and the, the way that the tabernacle was constructed, once you entered in, uh, you would enter into this area that was the outer courts uh, or the, the courtyard, sometimes it might be called. And, and these things might get different names uh, depending on what translation you're using, but that's not all that important. It's just important to see that these are the elements that make up the tabernacle. Uh, so as you enter into the tabernacle, you come to the outer courts. And in the outer courts, you have a few things there. One of them is that's where the altar uh, of, uh, of, of sacrifices would be. Like if you take an animal and you, you offer them up, they would be offered on that burnt um, altar. The burnt offerings would be, altered, would be offered on the altar. Whew, I got a little tongue tied there. I think you get it though. And that's that square with the A and it's kind of a red color. That's the altar. 
Then as you go uh, closer, the ones who would be allowed into the holy place, and that's where uh, that would actually have a covering. So it would be like that's the proper tabernacle, um, and that would be a, a tent. That's what the word tabernacle means. But right before you entered into that, and only priests could enter in, but right before you entered into that was the, the wash basin. It was where some water was, and it's that circle that has the W on it uh, on the slide here. And you would wash up, you would kind of cleanse yourself before entering into the holy place. This was getting closer to the presence of the Lord, and that's why you kind of washed off before entering. Once you entered into there, uh, as you entered into the building, you'd see on your right what's uh, labeled here as two T's. That would be the, uh, the, the table for the bread. I did two T's because it starts with T for table, and then also when you put two of them together, it kind of looks like a little bit of a table. So that is showing us that that's the table uh, of presence, the table of bread, uh, depending on kind of how you want to look at that. Uh, there was bread in this location. And then on the left side, uh, or on as this slide is, the table is at the top and the lampstand is at the bottom. Now, to show us the lampstand, uh, I chose, instead of using an L, I, I chose a Y. And the reason why I chose the Y was because it kind of looks a little bit like the, the uh, lampstand or the candlestick here, uh, because it, it would be what's called this menorah. And it would actually have uh, seven different branches going off and it looked kind of like uh, what we imagine, um, kind of like a, a sort of like a candelabra, I guess, a candelier, you know, whatever. I, I guess some of those types of images uh, would come to our mind, but that's what uh, would be there. And it would always be lit and it would be lit up and it would provide uh, light in this area. And then you have another altar. Now, this altar is much smaller and it's an altar of incense. And all you did on this altar was incense. It was this smelling, um, uh, this, uh, the smelling incense. Uh, before the Lord, it was the sweet smell that the, the Lord talks about that he, he enjoys. And it was, a, of course, a very special type of incense that they burned. And it was only to be burned in the tabernacle or in the temple later. So that's what is in the holy place. Then as you get even um, past that into the holy of holies. Now, the only person who could enter there was the high priest. And the high priest could only do that once a year. And he did that to, uh, on the Day of Atonement to provide atonement for sins. Um, but whenever he did that, what he would find in that area is the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, and on that Ark of the Covenant, of course, it was this box that held a few different things, depending on what time of history you're looking at. And then on top of that, there was this lid. It's called the mercy seat. Uh, and that would be where the presence of God was actually there. And you had a, a cherubim on one side and a cherubim on the other side, and their wings would touch. So it was just kind of a very interesting thing, and it, the whole thing would be covered with gold. So that is what was in the Holy of Holies. So that's a run through of the tabernacle, a bird's eye view going closer and closer to the presence of God. And all of these things, all of these images had significance as we approached God's presence, uh, that we, we do need to do that with an offering, that we do need to do that and, and be clean whenever we are in his presence. Uh, this bread, you know, of course, uh, with Jesus, he is our, our bread of life. And with the lampstand, he is the light of the world. This altar, uh, the, the altar of incense and incense itself is, is oftentimes compared to our prayers and how our prayers rise up and be with God. And this ark, of course, is, is this presence of God. That's the closest that we could get to here on this earth, uh, to God's presence, uh, of course, until the time that Jesus came. But all of this kind of shows us and it points toward what Jesus was going to be in our midst and this tabernacle. There's so many lessons that we can learn from it and so many things that we can see. So now let's kind of uh, take notice of a few of these things uh, in those 
next few chapters about this tabernacle. In chapter 37, we see that garden images are used. I've already told you that on that mercy seat, there were these cherubim. Well, do you remember the first time you see the cherubim show up in the Bible? Uh, that has to do with around the garden. They actually, uh, when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden, um, those cherubim uh, protect the way back to the, the tree of life. They protect the way uh, back to the garden. But within the, the tabernacle and within the temple later, you're going to see all these different images that, that are like a garden. And, and that's because the Garden of Eden was that original place to where man could be in the presence. You know, mankind could be in the presence of God. So there would be images that would remind us of that in the tabernacle and in the temple. That's why you see things like this. In Exodus 37, verse 17, he made the lampstand of pure gold. He made the lampstand of hammered metal. Its base and its shaft, its cups, its buds, and its blossoms were from the same piece. And whenever you start looking about those buds and the blossoms, you see that it's connected with like almond blossoms and things like that. It's just kind of interesting that you see these, these images about plants and garden things appearing uh, in the tabernacle. So we see this here within the actual things themselves, but we also see that in other places. We see that uh, within the garments of the, uh, the, the priest there. Right here, we see these garden images around this, this hem uh, of the, uh, the robes. In Exodus 39, verses 24 through 25, they made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and twisted linen around the hem of the, gar the, of, of the robe. They made bells of pure gold and attached the bells between the pomegranates around the hem of the robe between the pomegranates. So now here we see these, these images constantly you know, reminding us about the garden images. And this was going into the presence of God getting closer and closer to the presence of God, we see these images that are connected with God and connected with his being. And I would like to think that because these are all a pattern of the, the heavenly, uh, well, really heaven itself, the tabernacle is a, a pattern of, of heaven itself. I'd like to think that we're going to see those types of images in the future, that we're going to see a, a garden-like uh, surrounding. You know, sometimes we think about heaven as, as being, you know, all these floating on the clouds and stuff. And that's actually not what we read about in the scriptures. You know, the, the images that we get in the scriptures, especially at the end of Revelation, we get this garden image back, you know, back in the garden. But this time it's not just one location, but it's the whole world. Well, all of these things right here point toward that time in the future and the time that we can be with God and that we can once again go back to the garden and walk and talk with God face to face. It's going to be great. It's something that we can look forward to. But, but there's still a little bit more I want us to see. And that is that we end this chapter in Exodus 39 and the work is finished. And I'm, I'm just going to read this because this is, this is wonderful. Once again, it shows us about this community that this nation has become. And they completed, they, they worked together and they completed this wonderful task. So in Exodus 39 verses, uh, let's see, we've got verse 32 uh, all the way down to verse 43. So all the work of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was completed, and all the Israelites did according to all uh, that the Lord had commanded Moses. They did it exactly so. They brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its furnishings, clasps, frames, bars, posts, and bases, and the coverings of ramskin they dyed red, the coverings of the fine leather and of the protecting curtain, the ark of the testimony and its poles, and the atonement lid, the table, all its utensils, and the bread of presence. 
The pure lampstand, its lamps, with the lamp set in order, and all its accessories, and oil for the light, and the gold altar, and the anointing uh, oil, and the fragrant incense, and the curtain for the entrance of the tent, the bronze altar, and the bronze grating, its poles, and all its utensils, the large basin with its, with its pedestal, the hangings of the courtyard, its post and its bases, and the curtain of the gateway of the courtyard, its ropes and its tent pegs, and all the furnishings of the service of the tabernacle for the tent of meeting, the woven garments for serving in the sanctuary, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to minister as priests. The Israelites did all the work according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses inspected all the work, and they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. They had done it exactly, and Moses blessed them. So now we come to Exodus 39. We're almost at the very end of the book of Exodus. We've got one more chapter, which we'll cover next week. But right now, we're, we see that the work is finished. The tabernacle is built. Yeah, they're not exactly in the promised land just yet. But they are becoming this community that's working together to accomplish the things that the Lord has asked of them. I hope that at least we can learn from these positive examples of this story. And that we can learn to work together like this and to accomplish great things that the Lord has asked of us. Next week, we're going to pick back up and we're going to see what happens once they actually put it all together. Now they, they've already finished the work, but in the next chapter, they're going to actually build the tabernacle and it's going to all come together. Till next week, make sure you, you remember what God has asked of us and that we are, we are willing to do that. And that we are willing to, to work together to do the things that God has asked of you and of me today.